0: start a study of this book tonight, Um it will take us over four, if I get excited, maybe five weeks, and um, we're just going to take a chapter at a time, so we'll look at chapter one tonight, and I know it's a little bit longer, and uh, and the train's going out there, but um, if you'll stick with me, I want to read this whole chapter for us, read chapter one, so we can really get inside this story, hear the word of the Lord. Lord. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite, Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they lived there about ten years, and both Malone and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited His people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and left. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return for following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mala, for the Lord Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why well, call me Naomi, and the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth, the low light, her daughter, and all the her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of Father, this is the beginning of of a beautiful story, but it is a sad and dark beginning. I pray that as we come to these words, as we hear this ancient story and think about it, we want to hear your voice through it pray that you would give us understanding, that you would help us to take what we see, to embrace it, and that your spirit would change us with it. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. When I say the word home, what do you think of? Some of you will have positive responses to that word you will think of pies and Christmas and and meaningful conversations. Some of you will have negative responses to that word. And you'll think of raised voices and shame and abuse. And most of us, it's a mix of both. It is a mix and an experience of, of wonderful things, but also things of sadness and loss and pain. But no matter our response to the word home, we all want it. Even if we've had a bad experience in the past with what we could call home, we all think there's an ideal out there, and we hope we can find it. We hope we can get to that. A place of belonging. A place where we are loved, where we are valued, and maybe more than anything else, a place where we are fed. Because the center of the home is the table, right? It's a place where we are nourished for life. And not just in the basic, physical, able-to-survive sense. But where we are nourished holistically, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. We all want that kind of place, don't we? But we struggle to find it. Even those of us who may have come from good family backgrounds or have good families, we still want something more from this idea of home. The book of Ruth is a story about finding home. It's a story about coming home, and especially here in this first chapter. And so I want us to look at this story as it opens... Uh, And and have us learn from the characters of Naomi and Ruth and others. And as we look at this first chapter tonight, I want to ask two questions. I want to ask, where is home and how do we get there? So it's a question of location and a question of direction. So first of all, where is home? Where is it located? Ruth chapter 1 is dominated by two places. Moab... And Bethlehem of Jude, and both places fail to be home for Naomi and her family. The story opens with them living in Bethlehem, and and they are hit with this awful word, this awful tragedy of a famine. And what you have to understand about Bethlehem is it's part of the land that God had given to His people, and this land was the gift of a table. It was God enabling His people to be nourished for life. God had given them a home, and Bethlehem was a part of that. The very word itself means house of bread. But Bethlehem failed to be a house of bread for Naomi and her family. It was hit with a tragedy, of famine. And we're not told why, but we're given hints. The story opens with with these very simple words: "In the time of the judges," and this was a very chaotic period in the history of Israel. God had brought them into this land, this home that He wanted to give to them, and they, over and over again, rejected Him and turned to other gods. And they spiraled into moral and religious chaos. In fact. Um, Bethlehem comes up, if you were to flip just a few pages back in your Bible, uh, this city, this house of bread, comes up in another story at the end of Judges. And it is one of the most disturbing stories in all the Bible. Uh, It's a story that involves gang rape, mutilation of a corpse, and a genocidal civil war. Happy time. And what the storyteller in Ruth is doing is he's connecting for us what's going on in Bethlehem to this historical context. That this was a time when when God's people had rejected him, and he was bringing a series of catastrophes to their lives to try to bring them back to himself so that they would turn from these other gods and come back and worship him. And so the hint here is What causes this famine is this historical context, the place where Israel is as a people, they have rejected God. And so this gift that he had given them failed to be the home that they needed. And so Naomi and her family, they go, go looking elsewhere. Bethlehem failed them, and so they go to Moab. And Moab was to the east. It was over the Jordan River and the Dead Sea. And Moab was often an enemy Of Israel. You see that throughout the Old Testament. Um, And they were deep ethnic hatreds between Moab and Israel. And of course, Moab was committed to other gods. But Naomi and her family, they go there and they try to find a home there. And of course, Moab fails as well. In the course of three verses, verses three to five, Naomi is. Utterly devastated. Now, scholars compare her uh, as the female counterpart to Job in the Old Testament. Complete loss. And you have to understand that, for in an ancient culture, for a woman to lose her husband and her sons um, was not only sad but dangerous. So Moab failed. To be a home for Naomi. And again we're not told exactly why. But there are hints there as well. It's always a bad thing. When God's people go to other nations for help. It's always. It's not just a physical move. That Naomi and her family make. It is a spiritual move as well. That to go to Moab. Is to turn to Moab's gods. And of course they give their sons to Moabite wives as well. So the hint here is that Bethlehem failed because they had rejected God. And Moab fails because Naomi and her family had turned away from God to other sources of help. To other ways of trying to create home. Now, if this is true, if it is true that both Moab and Bethlehem failed, why then... Does Naomi go back to Bethlehem? Right? That's the story. This is a traveling narrative, this first chapter of the book of Ruth. She travels. She's on the road back to Bethlehem. Why does she do that? If Bethlehem had failed, why does she go back? Well, the whole story rests on verse 6. This whole narrative turns on verse 6. Read it. Look at it again with me. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab. What had she heard? That the Lord had visited His people and had given them food. This is why Naomi, along with Ruth, goes back to Bethlehem. Because God had shown up in Bethlehem. And God was changing Bethlehem. He was once again making it the house of bread. He was once again making Bethlehem a place of fullness rather than emptiness. He was recreating in his grace and kindness and patience. He was recreating a home for his people despite all of their rejection and rebellion against him. This is what caused Naomi to travel back to Bethlehem. So where is home? It's in Bethlehem. But it's not just the place of Bethlehem. Home is Bethlehem when God shows up. Which is good news for us. Because verse 6 is not the last time God visited Bethlehem, is it? Many years later, He visited Bethlehem in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, through His life, death, and resurrection, helps Bethlehem fulfill its destiny as the house of bread. Because He Himself is, what does He call Himself? The bread of life. It is because of what Jesus did, because He showed up in Bethlehem that we can find a home. As we come to Him, He is where we will find life. He is where we will be nourished, where we will be fed. So I have to ask you, where will you look for life this coming week? Where will your hunger take you this week? I mentioned last week about me being forced to watch a lot of the Olympics over uh, the past couple of weeks, and I, as I watched the Olympics, there's been a commercial that has been on often, and I think it's a commercial for a Chevy truck. And the scene is a neighborhood party, and there's a family that's new to town, and and one of the neighbors comes up to this new man and he says, "Which house is yours?" And he says, well, that's mine, the one with the Chevy truck sitting in the driveway. And then the neighbor asks him, what do you do? And then it cuts to several scenes, flashes of this man's life. Uh, And we see him playing with his kids. We see him out on the lake with his friends. We see him um, with the guys on a construction site building something. And then we see him on a romantic date with his wife. With his wife. And then the scene cuts back, and he's unable to answer the question, what do you do? Because his life is so full. And then the final thing we see is, again, the truck sitting in the You <laughs> See the message? That commercial is saying to you, here's a way to have home. Here is a way to fill up your emptiness. That you can find life in what you own that if you own the right things, you will have this ideal of a full, good life.
1: And that's only one alternative
0: that we face every day. Um, It may be the alternative of career ambition, of pleasure, of morality, and even of family. We hear, especially in a place like Tallahassee, you get... The sense that if you can get married and have those two and a half kids, you'll find it. Your life will be full, right? You will get what you are looking for. Family is a great thing. Career ambition is fine. Pleasure is a good gift from God. But none of those things will be the table that you're looking for. None of those things will create a home for For you, they may temporarily satisfy, but they will end up like Moab and Bethlehem without God. They will fail to be a home for you. So where will you try to find a home this week? Will it be in Christ, or will it be somewhere else? Which raises the second question. If Christ is the location of home, how do we get there? What direction do we go in? And to answer this question, we need to do a little character sketch here. We're going back to literature class. And uh, we need to do a character sketch of both Naomi and and Ruth. And so think about Naomi with me. Um, I've already mentioned how in verses 3 to 5, this is a woman who loses everything. And she is portrayed in this passage as completely exhausted. And not exhausted as in she needs to take a nap, but exhausted as in she has come to the end of every possible human resource for living life. We hear about the loss of her her sons and her husband, and we say, oh, how tragic, and oh, oh, how sad. We, We can connect to that in some way. But you have to understand in a culture like this, This is more than sad. It is dangerous. It is beyond precarious. The people of Naomi's neighborhood would have looked at her as walking death. Because she had lost all of those resources that could provide for her. And it's not only the people around her that look at her like that. It's how she looks at herself, isn't it? Notice how Naomi talks about herself throughout this chapter. She's trying to release Ruth and Orpah from their obligation to her, and they did have a legal obligation to her as their mother-in-law. And, and she says, no, you're released from that. Go back to your mother's house, house, which is to say, go back and let your mom find a husband for you. Okay? Go back, and, and you, I don't have life, but you can find it. You can go and find uh, what you're looking for. Just go back and let your mom find a mobile husband. And um, of course, Orpah does it, but Ruth refuses to do it. And as she's trying to convince them to go back, she just she she opens up about her emptiness. I, I have nothing for you. My womb is empty. And even if my womb was not empty, and I could miraculously have a son, he'd be like 60 when he's 16, and that's just <laughs> I have nothing for you. Ruth, Orba, don't follow me. I have no life left. And then as she arrives in Bethlehem, and all the older women get excited because they think they recognize this person and they come up to her and, Naomi, is that you? What does she say? No. I have lost myself. To rename herself is to say I have died. I am dead. I've lost my identity. My sense of self. Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant or sweet. Call me Laura, which means good. Naomi, in a very honest, clear-eyed, and tragic way, saw her emptiness. She saw her exhaustion. And we tend to think of Ruth as a happy counterpart to Naomi. And Naomi's sad, and Ruth is happy. She makes this very noble speech in verses sixteen and seventeen, and so um, uh, she is the uh, she's the the light to Naomi's dark. But think about Ruth with her. First of all, she married a foreigner. Okay? These Israelites were in her land, which means she probably did not have very good marriage prospects. If she married a foreigner. Um, uh, she wasn't getting the cream of the crop in Moab. Okay. Um, did you catch that they were married for ten years, no children. Ruth was barren as well as Naomi. And ten years without children again in an ancient culture like this was a sh- was a not only a sad thing but a shameful thing. Her. And here she is on this road and. Naomi is offering her a way to turn her fortunes around. You don't have to be obligated to me anymore. Go back to Moab, see if you can find a husband. Maybe your husband was the problem. And maybe you can have children and find a wife. And what does Ruth do? Ruth is empty. And she becomes more empty by identifying herself with Naomi. Ruth has the potential of reversing her life if she goes back to Moab. But by going to Bethlehem, she has no guarantee. There seems to be no hope that she can deal with her emptiness. But yet she chooses to identify herself with Naomi and with Naomi's exhaustion. She walks with her on this road to Bethlehem. We use Ruth's words in, in weddings. And, and what Ruth does here is, is she puts the ring up on a zombie. She identifies herself with death by giving herself to Naomi. Why is this here? This is depressing, is it not? This is deeply sad. Why is it here? Why... Are we talking about this? We tend to think of Ruth as the story of hope. the story of romance. Why is this sadness here? Well, it's really important for us to see that what leads Naomi and Ruth back to Bethlehem is not only the rumor of fullness, but the recognition of their own infant. They could not have hope unless they realize the depth of their desperation. The depth of their need. They come as far as you can come into emptiness, into exhaustion. And it is only there that allows them to then turn and take this road to the house of bread, to Bethlehem. We will not find a home in Jesus unless we, throughout our lives, recognize the depth of our need. Just as Naomi and Ruth came to an honest and deep understanding of their emptiness, we will not find a home in Jesus unless we do the same. The most dominant word in this chapter, Ruth chapter 1, is the word turn. The Hebrew word for turn or return. And the prophets use that word to talk about repentance. Okay, very Christian word, we use it a lot in the church. And a lot of times we think about repentance as, Oh, I've done something wrong and I'm now going to admit that I've done something wrong. But it's not. It's more than that. It's what Naomi and Ruth do here. Repentance is coming completely to the end of yourself. It's not only realizing that you are wrong and the world is wrong, but it's also realizing that you have no resources to do anything about it. To repent is to be exhausted. To come to the end of your resources and then take your exhaustion To take your emptiness home to the bread of life. There tend to be two responses to that. Some of you, that will be like a cold drink on a hot day. Because life has informed you that you are empty. You've had experiences that have brought you to that point of exhaustion. And that will taste so good to you to be honest with that and to turn to Jesus with it. Some of us, and I'll put myself in this category, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> because that takes the power out of my hands. i That means I have to admit I can't fix my life. And I can't fix my neighborhood. And I can't fix my family. And I can't put this broken world back together. And I don't like being out of it. But you will never be filled unless you recognize that you are empty. You will never come home to God unless you admit you're an orphan. You will never be fed at God's table unless you know that you are hungry. And that's not only a one-time experience when you're converted to Christianity. That is the heart of the Christian life. It is waking up... Every day, realizing the depth of your need for Christ. Mrs. Edwards was a great friend to my family uh, as I grew up in Thomasville, Georgia. And Mrs. Edwards was the classic southern cook. Everything fried or cooked in some sort of animal fat. Mrs. Edwards made Paula Deen look like a vegan health nut. (laughs) <laughs> and Mrs. Edwards took Enormous amount of joy In feeding the pastor's family Alright Of which I belonged to Which was a good thing for her She loved to feed us She loved to have us for dinner And she would call my dad up And say "Frying chicken have greens and, and all kinds of crazy stuff um, Come over to dinner tonight And my dad would always say Of course we're happy to and then she had a mantra. She never got off the phone without saying this. She would say, make sure you come hungry. <laughs> Jesus has laid a table for us. For what he has done. He has laid the table of life for us. He invites us to the table, but he has one requirement. It's not that you get all your stuff together. It's not that you come dressed appropriately. It's not that you get all of your theology figured out. Jesus sets the table for us, and his one requirement is that we come. Is that we come feel, feeling our need for him, knowing the depth of our emptiness, so that we can turn to him for fullness. Here's Anthony, is a retired science fiction and fantasy author. Uh, he wrote a lot of books, especially active, I think, late 80s, early 90s. And he wrote a lot of cheap books that were read by adolescent boys, okay? And, um, and, and he uh, lives down in South Florida, and I think he's kind of retired now. But his books were unique. For one thing, there were a lot of books coming out at that time that had goblins and space aliens and things like that. But his books were unique because they always ended, ended with an author note, where he would write a whole chapter, pages and pages, after he had finished his story, and he would just ramble about his life. He would talk about his life on the farm in South Florida, and talk about his family, and talk about the town he lived in, and maybe some of it related to the story, and maybe some of it didn't. And I heard the story a couple of weeks ago about one of Piers Anthony's very devoted fans. Uh, the boy's name is Anthony or Andy in the story, and I think it changed his name um, for his privacy. Uh, but he was a rabid fan of Piers Anthony's books as as a young as a teenage boy. And he started out attracted to the stories, but increasingly grew attracted to the author notes, where he would devour the life of this man, hearing about all the things, and increasingly the fantasy moved from the story to the author note. And you have to understand, Andy was in a very difficult situation. He had an abusive stepfather and a mother who wouldn't do anything about it. Um, school had not gone well for him academically or socially, and and so he. Increasingly led and lived his life in these books. And began to live his life in these author notes. And became convinced that the way for him to find home was to find Piers Anthony and see if Piers Anthony would let him live with him. And so this young man, I think he was 15, and this was in the late 80s, walked to his local bank, uh, drained his college savings account, about $1,000, walked... Miles to the local airport, bought a ticket to Florida, and somehow, through buses and hitchhiking, found Pierce Anthony's house, walked up, knocked on the door, and said, will you let me live with you? (laughs) And, of course, Pierce Anthony was, no, I can't. And he was very kind. He took him in. He talked to him. And eventually, they got in touch with his mom and got him back. wanted. He was trying to find home. He was looking for home. What I want you to see tonight is that the book of Ruth is like those author notes in Piers Anthony's books. What God gives us here is a beautiful description of finding a table where we are nourished from. Finding home. And here's the beautiful thing. If you run away to God through Jesus Christ, He won't send you back. If you can come to understand the death of your emptiness and take it to Jesus, He will not send you back. But He will embrace you and He will take you into His home. And that is something that we do not only at the beginning of our Christian lives, but every morning we wake up to realize our emptiness and to take it to the of right life. us pray. Father, we marvel at the beauty of, of the word that you've given us, of scripture, the stories that have such depth and give us so much hope. And so we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the story of Ruth. But more than all of that, we thank you for Jesus Christ. That the story of Scripture tells us is how you sent him to Bethlehem. He lived his life of, of obedience. And he suffered the curse of our sin on the cross. And he conquered that curse through his resurrection. And because of that, we can be called your sons and daughters. We can be taken to your table. We can find life. And I don't have the words to express how beautiful, powerful that is. But I do ask that you would teach us our emptiness, and that you would teach us to take our emptiness to Jesus every day that we would find for simply. in We pray in His name. Amen.